Good morning, afternoon and or evening. Welcome to the latest edition of Holy Shoot, a wrestling podcast. Regular Holy Shooters may be thinking that Brod has a cold and sounds funny today, but alas, this is not Brodista. Today your host is none other than myself, the Jason Norris Experience. Brod has unfortunately lost his smile and had to drop the mic this week, so I will be crawling into your ears and gently tickling your lobes with a dose of wrestling chat. As we hit WrestleMania season, we'll be playing with the format a little for the show in the coming weeks. We'll be trying out some new features, running some interviews and taking a deep dive into WrestleMania. Basically, the format sheet has gone out the window, like a Monday afternoon Raw script when Vince McMahon has gotten cranky. And we'll shortly be starting with a quick chat about the big events on Raw, and I'll be getting Chen's young upstart heel opinions on Reigns and Batista returning. Chen will also be talking about his appearance on national TV here in the UK alongside Paige as she promoted her Fighting With My Family movie. We'll be following this by a return visit from Mike, who you may remember from our Raw Rumble of Raw Rumbles back in week 8. That was a great show. I recommend going back and listening to that. We had a great time recording uh, highlights of the many best moments of Raw Rumble of all time. This time Mike is returning to talk about his crazy WrestleMania edition and I'll be asking him all about that. You might want to miss what this longtime fan does every year, I assure you. All this follows after they hit my music. So this week, we have decided to team up the general banter segment with the news, so to make an oddball tag team combination, which will make a little bit more sense in a moment. So first up, Fighting With My Family was released in the US last week, and it's coming out in the UK this week. It seems to have done pretty well in the US for a low-budget drama. Opening weekend, it took over $8 million to rank fourth, which might seem not brilliant, but that's behind three massive blockbusters, and it's on about a $10 million production budget. So it looks like it's going to be making its profit shortly in terms of on US box office. Um, Chen, so tying in the general banter segment, you were on TV on Tuesday night. That was in front of millions of people on the BBC The One show, where Paige was appearing to promote the movie. Did you have a good time, and will you be going to see this film soon? And did Paige give you her number? Well, to answer the most interesting question that you asked me, Paige did not give me her number. Did sadly. you give her your number? No, sadly. Oh. Um, we couldn't actually get no one. You know, she just came in for a good 15 minutes um, just to promote the movie. And then she quickly had to go. Um, but, you know, like, so we didn't get we didn't get to have much audience participation with her afterwards or anything so i think she had to go somewhere else to promote a movie somewhere else but yeah as for the one being on the one show it was such a great experience um and i was just so happy to see like a movie a, a wrestling movie getting this time this type of attention like mainstream attention and will i be seeing the movie itself yes i'll support anything that's wrestling whether it's good or bad, but I'm hearing a lot of great things, and I'm glad this movie is doing so well in the US, and hopefully will do so well in the UK. Yeah, I think it's getting very good reviews. I think there's a few cringeworthy moments, apparently, for wrestling fans in terms of some of the particular interpretation of wrestling fans and the way they cut through NXT and some of the AJ dialogue, but overall, people are giving it very good reviews. 
That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I think but, a few. I think a few people I know are going to be going to see it this weekend. Yeah, I should be trying to see it at least by Monday, hopefully. So that'll be a future feature on the pod, probably maybe next week or the week after. I think a couple of the guys we're all going to try until we can go and see that movie, and we'll be discussing doing a little review of that later on. Will you be cosplaying as a wrestler when you go and watch the movie, Jason? I don't think I'll be cosplaying as a wrestler when I go and see this movie. I'm afraid oh. to say. I didn't oh. know that was like I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> Maybe I'll go as Paige. We'll see how it goes. I'll get I'll get some lipstick out and a wig. I'm sure uh. I've got some somewhere. So moving on from that, let's let's talk about kind of the big things from Raw. Um couple of massive returns on Raw this week. So Roman Reigns returns. He's in remission. Um he's been away for four to five months. He looks in great shape. Obviously, you don't know what condition he's really in in terms of the amount of treatment he's had, he's had how evasive it might be. But he looked really good and he looks so happy to be there. So, Chen, do you think, is he going to be maybe facing Corbin at Mania? Or, or will he be in Seth's corner for his title match or something else? And how happy uh, are you to see him back? So, you know, I was very, very happy to see him back. I'm happy to see anyone who pretty much beats cancer or whatever illness they have um but seeing Roman back and seeing him being welcomed back it put a smile it's put a smile on my face um and also like in time for mania as well because he is a star power so that's good for the WWE as for who he'd be facing I don't know if he will be facing Corbin I was hoping that when you asked me, if you were to ask me a year ago, what would my main event for this year's WrestleMania be? I said a show triple threat. But obviously that's not going to be happening. And, um, you know, because Seth is going to face Brock. But I could still see Roman maybe facing someone like uh, Drew McIntyre. See, I could see, I could see they could do Reigns just taking on Corbin, like squashing him in a couple of minutes, and it's just a feel-good match, and it's not too straining on him. I can't imagine they'd do that with Drew. So he'd have to have a proper match. Do you reckon he could do a proper match at this point? I mean, that's another thing. Uh, we have to see him wrestle first to see what type of condition he's in. Because I remember when Daniel Bryan first came back, our retirement, I was super worried about him taking so many bumps. I think a lot of fans were especially when he was doing suicide dives. I we were, like, hoping that he would change his style a bit. But he seems to be doing okay and everything. And hopefully Reigns is, Reigns is the same. He, I don't think they would have bring him back if he wasn't up to his best. Well, let's see how this goes. I think this will be an interesting one to watch in the coming weeks. They're obviously doing something with Dean Ambrose, almost like pretending that whole heel thing didn't happen. So they're... Moving, they're moving a few pieces around. Let's see. Yeah, what that's weird. But if if you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a Roman versus Ambrose match. Just for Ambrose can have a big send off himself when he leaves the WWE. That's an alternative idea. All right. Well, let's. We will be watching this over the coming weeks. But yeah, great to see Roman back and looking healthy. So someone else who also returned um, in a very great little end segment that was happening here. Batista is back on Raw and he's looking for Triple H. So Batista's back. He has a nose ring. Um, question for you. Do you think Flair was in on this? And I mean the beatdown that happened to draw Triple H out, not the nose ring. Uh, I mean, I don't know. But I know Flair and Batista are great friends. And 
I play Rick, to me, Rick Flair's the type of person who do anything for his friends. So even if it means being humiliated, I'm sure he was happy to do it because it was some up. He was putting a friend over. Um, as for Batista being back, I'm so excited. I, I'm, ha- I re- I'm a really big Batista fan, especially when he's heel. And I think this makes perfect sense for the WWE as well because Batista's going to be part of the biggest movie this year, which is Avengers, which comes out end of April. So they're cashing on his star power and, you know, and he's bringing eyes into the WWE WrestleMania, I believe. And plus, like, to me, Triple H and Batista always have great chemistry. Yeah, I think this is going to be like a really fun little storyline on the road to WrestleMania. I think we we talked about this a while ago. Batista was noted that he had a clearance clearance in his schedule where he wasn't filming a movie, and we saw this this Ric Flair thing like weeks in advance. So there was rumblings of it coming along. But I'm really happy the way they did it with Batista turning up, grabbing a cameraman, dragging him over to like film what he was about to do. He showed a lot of intensity, and he likes working more as a heel. But I do wonder if the crowd's going to go against him because. Now Triple H is Uncle Triple H from NXT, and Batista is the big bad guy, even though everyone loves him as a big movie star. It's going to be interesting how the crowd reacts. Well, as in, I think Batista can only work as a heel now. It just, I mean, you know, like, if he does come back, people cheer for him, but eventually they'll get tired of him because I think they'll get tired of any part-time. I don't know, it's just something about Batista, but he he just has to be booed. He's a but great in a in a great way in a great because he's yeah. also such a great heel. He's a great heel. He's a great worker, and I'm sure he'll play out. But he's now a big Hollywood star, and it'll come into it as well. So we can see how that one goes. Yeah. Also, I do have one complaint. It's not about Triple H. It's not about Batista. It's about Ric Flair's birthday. How are you going to have a birthday party and not invite Charlotte Flair, the daughter? I mean, that's the only flaw in that whole storyline of that night for me. But that's it. I love that they. I love that they made it look legit because they had Sting and Steamboat there. Like, so you think that's a real ceremony, and then there was just no. That was just a complete setup. It was quite well done to make you believe maybe they're actually doing it. But what, it's a bit random that they're celebrating Flair's birthday this year. But yeah, yeah it's still fun. Okay, so uh, moving on from the returning guys. So talking about some other top guys, the revival. This is a bit of a weird one. So, Revival, I love them. And it's almost like, hey, Revival, you said you were going to leave, so we've given you the belts, but we're still going to job you out. So, Chen, quickly, is the tag team scene dead? Again, it's being treated like a joke. Why put the revi- Why put the titles on the Revival if you're just going to make them lose week in, week out again? Did you just put them on... Did you just put the titles on them because they asked for their release just so that that way they can keep their mouth shut for a few more months or a month or two or whatever? It's just silliness. And I can see other tag teams who want to be part of the WWE may want to stay from the w- stay away from them because they'd be like, the tag team division is a joke. kind of thing. And I would worry about any tag teams in NXT being called up. Yeah, it's an interesting, I saw the Hardy Boys reuniting on SmackDown. There's probably more going on on the SmackDown brand on tag teams, but on Raw, it's it's pretty thin on the ground, really. Yeah, it's, and that's another thing, like, when did Matt Hardy get drafted to SmackDown? Like, he was a Raw superstar, it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's just such a mess. 
But it was a great match they had this week. I enjoyed their match they had this week, the revival. But come on, man. Booking means everything. Yeah, I agree. I think, Chen, for once, we seem to agree on everything in the news section, which is rare. I think Brod's clearly the issue. When Brod's back next week, (laughs) we'll disagree on something, I'm sure. Cool. Great. Um, So coming back after the break, we'll be joined by our friend Mike to talk about his crazy tradition of watching every single WrestleMania in the run-up to WrestleMania. Join us for that shortly. Hey, you. If you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoe Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoe Pod. Do it! Do it now! So now Chen and I are joined by our friend Mike. So you remember Mike from episode 8 where he participated in our Royal Rumble of Royal Rumbles and enjoyed hearing some great music from various acts that I brought up for wrestling albums and albums by wrestlers. Uh, Mike, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, all is good here. Chen, I think you're good. We've already discussed that. So we can move straight on to the questions with Mike. Mike, um, the reason we've got you on is because... Every year, you watch every single WrestleMania from the beginning to the end before that year's WrestleMania. So that's pretty crazy. I guess the first question is why? Why? So do you remember the box set that came out that had the first 21 WrestleManias? Do you remember that being released? The Vaguely, anthology? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah so that, I remember that. Yeah, so that came out. I got that for Christmas, at which point I'd obviously seen every WrestleMania, but then decided for the first time to watch them all in order. So over the next two months, watched all 21. And the next year, I just thought, hang on, this time last year, I was watching WrestleMania 1, so let's do it again. And this time, I had to watch 22, which I'd added to. And it, it just took on from there. Every year it's the same thing, except now it's harder because I tend to do it after the pay-per-view before. So so you I've can't stopped. start until Fastlane? Uh, I'm ignoring Fastlane as I've, <laughs> I've started the night after Elimination Chamber. I start this one. Uh, I guess so. How, yeah, how long does that take to do? Because there's what, 34 WrestleManias. I mean, how, how long does it take you to start from beginning to end? Obviously, you don't watch continuous, but what's the... No, not, not continuous. You're probably looking at three to four weeks now. Um, sometimes i can watch a whole one and a bit in a day sometimes one can take two or three days depending what else is going on i was gonna ask is it like a one a day type thing and then i guess some of the later ones are longer as well they are they do get longer um wrestlemania 3 was the first one to go over three hours and then they you know standard four hours for a long time and now they're up to five plus so with the latest ones do you watch the pre-shows as well i do yes Oh man! Um, like six <laughs> hours. Yeah, listen to all wow. the plugs, and you know you get some good matches on there. I've just recently watched um, thirty-four with Neville and Pat. Um, oh, Neville and what was his name? Austin Aries. Austin Aries. Yeah, yeah, fantastic match. Um, didn't even make it to the main show. One of the best matches of the night. So um, this started. WrestleMania twenty-one is when you started. Twenty-one, yes. So, so it's a lot harder now. And I guess, do you watch these all on your own or do you subject someone to watching them all with you? <laughs> I tend to be on my own. If if there's people around, they may join in and dip in and out, but mostly it's by myself. And has this got harder to do every year? So you've been doing this for like multiple years now. It must be getting harder and harder, Just not just because of the longer shows and the amount of them, but 
to go back and watch them every year. It, it is. There's bits that you're dreading coming towards. You know, the closer you get to WrestleMania 9, you just want to get that one over with. Same with 11. And you're always looking forward to a certain match or a certain event that you like more than others. So 17 is always, you know, at the minute, that's the halfway mark. It's also the best one. So I'm always looking forward to that one. I was going to ask you, I think there's, there's some iconic ones that I want to do this like put, put out in particular before we talk about the general trend. So you start on WrestleMania 1. And I, yeah. I mean, so did you, you say, this year, are you doing it the same way or are you doing it in reverse order? Th- this mentioned? year I'm doing reverse order just to break it up a bit. I mean, an interesting experience. So you know, but you normally start at 1. I, know, I normally start at 1, have every time. Um, 1 is, it, it's more like a glorified house show at the time. It's obviously very experimental. Um, watching it now, if this was the first one you'd watch, you wouldn't recognise it as being a super show. Or so, I mean, it's funny you say that. So, um, I was interviewing Heather, um, one, you know, one of the female wrestlers we're interviewing as part of our like feature we're doing, and she said she got into wrestling a bit late, and she was advised, oh, you should watch some WrestleManias. Yeah. And the first thing, so she thought, okay, I'll start at number one. And she was like, oh, well, that's a terrible show. Why are you telling me to watch WrestleMania? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not the best one to start not, with. Nothing really special. You don't even have a world title match, which for these days is just unthinkable. I think one's just very important because, you know, if if that wasn't a success, then the, the WWE would have gone bust, right? Because Vince put every yeah, penny that, into that, it. That potentially is the most important night in wrestling history. Yeah. Um, but it was an experiment. It was something that Vince thought would succeed and everyone else thought was absolutely crazy, couldn't possibly happen, and Vince was right. And it's the it's also like, some of the matches are a bit mixed, but it's the actual celebrities that are involved in it, right? Is it, there's it yeah. Liberace, and you've got like Cindy Lauper, Muhammad Ali, you know, there's a yeah, few Yeah, it was heavily promoted over MTV, and they did the Rock and Wrestling Connection, so... It, it was more, you know, it was probably 50% about the celebrities that night. They were more important. And that's that, that when, you, that's uh, that when you go back and watch it. Sorry? When, when you go back and watch it, does that really stand out, the celebrities? Oh, yeah, the amount that they're involved. You know, they're the guest timekeepers, the guest referees. They're outside. They come to the ring with them. It, um, the early WrestleMania was a lot more focused on which celebrities they could get. Sorry, Chen, you were going to ask something? Yeah, and I think... Um, because of the first WrestleMania that had so many celebrities, it's become a tradition, right? For WrestleMania to always have a featured celebrity, in a it, way. It became a tradition, and they kept trying to outdo the year before. Yeah. Um, by the time they got to around 11 and 12, they were kind of at the highest they could be. They started putting celebrities into the actual matches at that point with Lawrence Taylor. Um, you probably find from 15 onwards, it became a little bit less for a while. And then they moved on to having the concerts or maybe the special entrances being sung. Yeah. Um, so after one, um, <clears throat> I think the next big iconic one for me would have to be number three. Yeah. WrestleMania 2, at that point, they hadn't even realized it was going to be a yearly sensation. They could have called it anything they wanted and just went with WrestleMania 2. Um, it didn't even happen a year later. I believe it happened on Monday night. Um, so three was the first big super show that had you know obviously that match was the most anticipated possibly in history you know the match i'm talking about 
talking yep. about Honky Duck Man versus Jake Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Alice Cooper did come to the ring with that one, which again was the celebrity involvement. I was a Jake Roberts fan. I like going back and watching that. But obviously Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. That was yeah. the, in front of the 93,000 apparently fans. Yeah, that number's disputed over the years, but we'll go with 93,000. That's what they say on the screen. Yeah. So that must that must be like an enjoyable one to still go back and watch. It definitely is. That feels like a super big show. Um, you've got the iconic match in the main event, and you've also got Macho Man versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which a lot of people think is the best match they've ever seen. I think it's my. I have still rate it as my favourite singles match of all time because you could put it on a show now and it would still work. It, it would definitely work now. It's the first time they went with near fall after near fall and false finishes. Um, okay. Fantastic match for its time. So- Good point, Chen. At this point, Chen, you are younger than myself and Mike, and you haven't seen all the early WrestleManias, right? No. So the first one, or the earliest one I've ever watched, uh, was 13. But going back to WrestleMania 3, I have seen the Hogan and versus Andre match, Andre the Giant. And just because everyone keeps saying how iconic it was and everything... You know, the slam that was heard around the world. Yeah. So obviously I had to check that out. But my earliest memory of WrestleMania was 13. But watching just that match by itself, I don't think you get the whole feeling around it. You Even to watch the show, you get four hours of build towards it with little vignettes and history and how they all came together. Just to watch the match. The match is pretty poor. Other than the, the body slam at the end. Not really much happens. Yeah, but I think that's like with any wrestling match like when you're when you're when you're currently watching when you're currently tuning into wrestling you're more involved you're more in into the match but maybe like 10 years later when you watch back at you go oh that match wasn't really all that kind of definitely a test but you were just you were just so invested in the storyline at that because you were tuned in yeah like when i look at the andre the giant and the hulk hogan match uh, I'm sure I would have been I would have enjoyed it more if I was tuned into wrestling at that time. But yeah. I'm just going back without knowing the proper story, not seeing the promo packages or nothing. I'm just watching the match and I'm just like, okay, it is what it is, kind of. Yeah, thing. it's it's definitely uh, worth going back and watching all of WrestleMania three. The the thing with that match, especially as well, I I mean I'm not even old enough to watch it live, but imagine watching that match not knowing who was going to win. Yeah, and they really didn't. It was a very fifty-fifty match. No one quite knew what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Jen, of all the early manias, that's the one to go and watch because of how iconic it was, and also because of the um, Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat match. I think you'd love that. It's still a great match, so I'd recommend doing the whole show just for that as well. So moving on from three, I think let me correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but I'd imagine then six must stand out for Warrior and Hogan. You're getting into a six real... is the next real fantastic match and one of my favourites. Um, always loved that as a kid. I was a massive Ultimate Warrior fan. Um, we've skipped four and five there. Four with the tournament was a little bit of a mess. Why they chose to put 14 people in the tournament and serve 16 is a little bit crazy to me. Um, five had Hogan versus Macho Man as the only standout match. But yeah, six was... But by the time six came around, they were referring to it as showcase of the immortals and the yearly extravaganza. It was now their main show. Yeah, but there's no question about that one. So I'm going to sort of skip ahead a bit because six, I think we all agree. Like you have to go back. Chen, that's another one you should go and see the main event for. It's... I've seen the main event for this, especially the controversy of Hogan kicking out straight after after the pinfall. Uh, <laughs> 
masterfully so, booked by Pat Patterson that match. Yes. Yeah, and I like that match. I really did like that match. Have you I seen the rematch? Uh, no. <laughs> Possibly um, the worst match in the history of wrestling. Really? Yeah. Know? And you can find it on the network. They they didn't do the rematch until they got into WCW and Hogan. Oh, Bay. this is the one with the fireball, right? It is. Yeah, okay, yeah. We're, we're calling it the spark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the paper didn't quite go off like it was meant to. Yeah. And it's, it's like that whole run. I mean, I was watching that when I was young. I remember that was we're going off topic. That was just brilliant because of how insane the whole uh, Warrior run in WCW was. Yeah. But we'll save that for another day, but it's definitely worth sort of doing at some point. Um, so I'm going to skip ahead a few, uh, just talk about some of the key ones, but then I want to go back and have you point out anything else that stands out because I'm going to go for some of the good ones, but I bet you've got some terrible memories as well you have to go through. Okay. So I'm going to, I think, I, I skip ahead to 13 um, for Bret Hart and Stone Cold and I guess the start of the Attitude Era. I figure that's an important one that you must enjoy. I, yeah, I really do. Doing a double turn is never easy. Um, the way that they did it was masterful, and even though blood was still frowned upon at that point, there's never been a match that benefited more from having the blood. You know that that so, is an iconic. A quick scene. question. Yeah. A quick question: Was the double turn always planned, or did, was it just naturally happen? I don't think they sat there and decided to do a double turn and use those words, but the idea was to, st- you know, Austin was being cheered. Um, they couldn't keep him heel that much longer. Whether they decided to do it that night or not, I'm not sure. But the long-term plan was to switch Austin into the face and Brett into the heel. See, that night, it just worked perfect. If you go back and watch the build-up to this show, I mean, especially because of the promo packages on the actual event itself, but if you look at the months leading up to it, Bret Hart was rightly incredibly pissed off with the way that Stone Cold had been ruining things for him. You know, He stole the Royal Rumble from him. He interfered in world title matches. Brett you can understand like, was the good guy and why he was getting so frustrated and angry. So they, but they, they milked that and made it into like, he was more of a whiner. So they were working on it for months with the Brett turn. They and were having stone cold. Against I think it him. started the night of WrestleMania 12, where they really start doing it with Brett, you know, storming out and not being happy that it went to sudden death. That was the first time you saw Brett not being the sportsman that he'd always been. And then a year long of being screwed after screwed after screwed. Yeah. WrestleMania 13 was just perfect timing. Also, I like that the fact that it was a submission match and included Stone Cold. Stone Cold is not known for submissions. No, definitely not. But it, it, somehow they managed to pull it off, you know. A very entertaining match. So just a note on that match. You remember um, back on episode 8 when we talked about wrestling albums and that's where we ended the show with one of my favourite wrestling songs which was called Double Turn by Cheap Pop. Uh-huh. I'd recommend everyone going back and listening to that because they captured it so beautifully, this match. And I remember talking to Jackie, the lead singer of Cheap Pop afterwards and she said, yeah, our description of what they were going for was like spot on. That's you know They really sort of caught the whole, it was the blood, the emotion going on, and the work being done in that match was amazing. Yeah, the final image was great. So, moving on, I mean, we're in the Attitude Era, there's some good and bad during those years, but I want to get to 17, which I think you said earlier was your is your favourite? It is my favourite. It's got the, the best memories of watching it live. Um, it's one of those that pretty much every match brings something to it from the open to the close. Um best main event in history but you've got tlc in there um now remind me what the best main event in history is it is stone cold versus the rocket WrestleMania 17 and you prefer that more than stone cold versus triple h with mike tyson massively yeah 
just want to sort of understand. And seventeen is the best of their matches. I mean, I remember being good, but it's definitely that's your favourite. You mean Shawn Michaels? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking there. What did I say? HBK, not Triple H. H. Oh God, that yeah, the God, not Triple H. <laughs> yeah. Definitely Shawn Michaels. That, God, I've rewriting history there. I'm sure Triple H would have loved it if it was him, but no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So sorry, so, so seventeen. You were saying it's your favourite for the overall card. The the overall card, the way it looked, Paul Heyman and Jim Ross on commentary were great. Um, different gimmick matches in there: Shane versus Vince, and then Benoit Angle. You couldn't have two different types of matches. Um, everything in between. Even the gimmick battle royal was, you know, for, for someone like me, was nice to see. Jen, do you remember this card? Because I remember the gimmick battle roll as well, but I don't know. Like, is this something you remember and appreciated? Yeah, this is this is also my favorite mania. Um, so when people ask me, "Oh, what match would you recommend to a non-wrestling fan so they can get into wrestling?" I always say the TLC or WrestleMania 17 because. I feel like if you if you give them a Stone Cold versus The Rock at WrestleMania 17, they won't understand it. They won't understand the psychology or the storytelling. But if you give them the TLC of WrestleMania 17, they're not re- they're going to get more interested in the match because there's weapons involved, and that's the match. That match had so many great spots with using so many great weapons. Including the interference from Spike, Rhino, and Lita. I just love that match so much. But as a whole, as a card, I think that's the that was the best WrestleMania ever. Yeah, and all the way through with Limp Bizkit doing my way, which is I think the best yeah. wrestling music ever. That just added so much to it. So I guess at this point, Mike, you will have gone through seventeen WrestleManias. We're like around the halfway point of your viewing. Right now, experience. the halfway point. Yes. Um, at this point. When you get to seventeen, it's your favorite show. You've had to work to get there. Yeah, I mean, does this start? Is it felt like a slog, and this is a reward, or has it been like a good overall experience up until the halfway point? Well, at, at the working forward, once you've got to seventeen, you've now got my least favorite era in wrestling coming up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a slog to get through the next couple. This time, I'm going backwards. Um, <laughs> I mean, for me, the further away I get from the present time, the happier I am because it reminds me of the childhood and the first ones. I can remember where I fir- was when I first saw them. And um, I guess up until this point, is it really noticeable the production values? Like as you go year by year, when you're going in that order, do you, do you really notice like changes in the way the show is presented? Yeah, just in how vibrant it is, how ma- how many backstage segments, the video packages, you can tell the difference. Um, once you hit 13 and come into the Vince Russo era, you get all chaos WrestleManias where angles are going match by match. Um, once you get to 17, it's really as professional as they could get. And I think that's that's the standard you want to get to. Does it feel, like, I guess, over time that the overall card improves rather than being about one match, or there's still these one-match cards? Yeah, I think every match had a background story and a reason for it to happen, whereas the early ones, you know, some of the WrestleManias had, like, 15, 16 matches, with some of them lasting six, seven minutes just for the sake of doing it. Um, by the time you get to 17, everything has a reason. You've got Raw and SmackDown building into them. Okay, um, I want to sort of skip from seventeen. You say you you don't like you don't like the next few years. Are you talking about like eighteen, nineteen? They're just like hard shows to get. Yeah, through? it's not really that I don't like it. It's just that it was a time in my life that I quite I faded a little bit away, so wasn't as 
watching as much as I am now, so it doesn't have the same... It, with WrestleMania, it's all about memories for me, remembering how I felt when I saw it live. And so, I don't know, I want to get to WrestleMania 20. Were you watching it back into this product then, or were you still out? I was... For WrestleMania, I would always watch live. Um, Wait, but... before we get to 20, were you not invested in 18 because of Rock and um, Hogan? Um... Yeah, that I match, was. That, that I, match was. I, I, I knew wouldn't be a great match. But again, it's all about the story with that one. And, you know, that's that's a great match because of the crowd. The crowd that, must be, that must be a fun one to go back and watch because it's such a story yeah. being told. I, I think with hindsight, that should have gone last. Because everyone says that. Yeah, but I, I actually quite enjoyed WrestleMania 18 itself. Um, um, I, I don't really have complaints about it. I really enjoyed it from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Hogan and um, Rock should have gone last. Yeah, I think Triple H and Jericho had no chance. They had a dead crowd, which puts a dampener on that one. And you know, one one match on that card that surprised me, uh, you know, is the Undertaker versus Ric Flair. To see Ric Flair go at that age still against someone like the Undertaker. Yep. I was really surprised how entertaining that match was. Yeah, I also believe that's the first match they mentioned the streak. Yeah. You know, up till then it had been a coincidence, suddenly it became something. Yeah, and it was good to see Ric Flair at WrestleMania for me. I, it was just something about seeing Ric it, Flair at WrestleMania. It made, it, yeah. It just made me so happy. And even on Anderson, again, for the old fan in me, that was good to see the Yeah, we need the spine buster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, let's move on. Yeah, so I guess I just if you move on a little bit, so I, I picked that WrestleMania 20 because it must feel like when I look at the card, it must be a bit of a changing of the guard, especially when you're watching them come along because the only match is John Cena for the you know the, the Big Show, big, John Cena winning the belt United States Championship. So that's the start really of John Cena. Yeah, you've got Evolution still together at this point. Batista and Randy Orton haven't broken off to do their own thing, taking on Mick Foley and The Rock. There's like an old and new going on there. Goldberg and Brock Lesnar have that awful match and they both leave to end their errors. And then in the main event, I know we probably can't talk about it as much now, but Chris Benoit defeated Triple H and Shawn Michaels in a phenomenal 25-minute match. Obviously, looking back now, you can't really appreciate Chris Benoit in the same way, but at the time, this was an example. Along, also, alongside Eddie Guerrero beating Kurt Angle, there was a lot going on in terms of like new talent and new stars. Does that stand out when you watch it? Yeah. I think it was definitely the old to the new and the way that they finished with Benoit and Eddie Guerrero side by side celebrating um, for a lot of fans. That was, that was a very great. iconic moment. Very it, great. Yeah. It was. Some people didn't like it. Um, I know Kevin Nash was very oh, against screw that. Him, <laughs> okay. screw. It's because he's, he's over six foot. Anyone over six foot probably hated you that You can't moment. teach that. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, Kevin Nash, he does like some of the smaller guys, but yeah. what was his main issue? Was it the fact that he didn't like those guys in particular? Just the fact that they were so small and it, it took away the realism. You, you'd, you'd think that the world heavyweight champion would be what you would class as a heavyweight, and suddenly your two top guys were traditionally cruiserweight size. Yeah, yeah. Even um, though both guys were jacked beyond belief. Yeah. I think that was the first WrestleMania that kind of got spoiled by the internet era as well, because everyone went into it knowing contract situations, which was kind of new at the time. I didn't. I was. I think I was fourteen at the time, so I still had to access okay. to internet spoilers or whatever. Yeah, but knowing that it was going to be Brock and Goldberg's last match, no matter what happens, it just took away from it. 
Yeah, I that because I was looking forward to that match in particular because, like I said, I was fourteen. I didn't know what was going on in like backstage with backstage politics and contracts and stuff. I just watched the show for the show. Yeah. Um, it was only like a week later I felt, or you know, I think it was like two or three days later when I found out. Um, oh yeah, their contracts were run out, and I was like, oh, so they they gone on to pursue other things. And I was like, oh, because their contracts are out now, maybe that's why they didn't bother putting any effort into their match. Yeah. Kind of, and I was really... That beforehand, I, and therefore it was ruined because you're watching them in the ring, standing, looking at each other for three, four minutes, thinking... Yeah, and you had Austin as referee. And, you know, there was a big... This, this storyline was pushed so heavily. You wouldn't think... Now that I think about it, you wouldn't think that these two would be leaving because this storyline was pushed so heavily. I don't think they said they were leaving when the storyline started. I don't think around the rumble. <laughs> I mean, they Brock Lesnar kind of derailed plans by deciding he wanted but out. Also, like it, if you look at it today, if a wrestler's a wrestler's contract was coming to an end at WrestleMania, do you think they'll still get a big push on the main card? I think they'd do what they're doing with that. I think they'll right be now, on the battle royal. I think the original plan was for Brock to go over Goldberg, and then things changed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Talking but about... I really almost enjoyed the Evolution match. That yeah. was a great match. So this is a, this is a kind of changing of the guard. But we also had this terrible match between Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. So Mike, is this the worst match ever in WrestleMania? And I'm sure you can think of worse. But what are the worst matches <laughs> when you go back and look through all the matches you you watch? Oh, so many worst ones. Anything with King Kong Bundy and Midget springs to mind. Um, blindfold matches at WrestleMania 7. I love that match. Why did you love that match? <laughs> it made, it made, just, just from pure logic point of view, it made no sense. If you're, if you're in blindfold, at least wrestle different. Don't try and do Irish whips. It's not going to work. Um, pretty much everything from WrestleMania 9 would be classed as bad matches. That was badly booked from the start. Um, I wouldn't say it's the worst match. I would say yeah. that it's the worst match compared to what it should have and could have been. Yes, you could say it's the most disappointing, disappointing match ever match, because yes. it didn't live up to the hype or nothing. No. Like I don't know if it ever could have, but you know, the, the, the rematch 10, 10, 11 years later was excellent. Yeah. If, if this is probably 20, the most disappointing. 20 would be way up there. But this, you could say that this is the match I've been invested the most that turned out to be the most disappointing. Yeah, definitely with the two top me. stars at yeah. the time. It was, it, it was a, it's, it's the most disappointing dream match. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Um, Mike, I want to skip ahead like 10 years now from WrestleMania 20 to 30. And just, I guess if you jump those 10 years, because then we get to the reason I say WrestleMania 30, this is the first one in the, WWE Network era, I guess, in terms uh-huh. of, and it's also got that amazing Daniel Bryan, I guess, storyline throughout the show, and then him winning in the end. So when we jump those ten years, does anything really stand out going from twenty to thirty in terms of just changes to the way that Mania comes across? I th- not, not as much as between ten and twenty, for instance. You know, it, wrestling didn't changed that much you had a lot of the same guys there um just the whole thing had it continued to get bigger and bigger and things were more important you obviously had the streak at its absolute highest which had become part of wrestlemania legend um 
but you know you've you've got Daniel Bryan overcoming the odds and at, at the end it's, it's almost the same as 10 years ago you've got the little guy who's overcome the big ones and he's the champion um so i think i think the earlier decades there's a lot big difference between the later ones also you can say it's very interesting that at wrestlemania 20 uh batista and manny orton were like early on during the show like on the card whereas 10 years later they were both main eventing the card for wrestlemania yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably going to be every ten year. If you take any two WrestleManias ten apart, you'll be able to find someone yeah. who moved up the card. That's how wrestling should be. But in terms of the actual, the the level of the people who were where they are, um, but I t- I tell you what, I would love about thirty that would be different. That one of the best matches was the opening match, which I always think they yeah. should be at WrestleMania. And you've got the same if you go back to ten. So we'll go back twenty years. The opening match is one of the best matches, let alone opening matches in WrestleMania history. So for them to do that at 30 was a nice nod to that. Yeah, people always forget about the Triple H and Daniel Bryan match, and that is such a really, really great match. Really um, even with Stephanie being at ringside, her playing her role and her psychology was so amazing. But you know what people also forget about WrestleMania 30? I don't. Well, I don't think they forget, but they don't talk about it enough, is... The opening with Hogan, The Rock, and Stone Cold. <laughs> In the Superdome. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Seeing that, three ev- legends every, in the ring together. You know, one <laughs> comes out that you knew he was coming out, but then the next two's music hits. It's just getting more and more exciting. And it's a good point. I think in the it's only in the recent years we've had hosts, I guess. In did they used to do hosts in the earlier manias? No, like, not not in the same way. You you would have people who would join commentary for one match. Um, but not to host the whole resume as a wrestler. You know, you've now had Hogan hosting. You've had the New Day hosting. Um, that is a relatively new thing. So, except for Donald Trump, obviously. You can also say um, uh, one of our fellow WWL uh, regular meetup members described WrestleMania 30 the best way possible. He said it was like going to a funeral and a wedding at the same time. Seeing the streak ended. And everyone's energy being so dead, and then seeing Daniel Bryan win the title, and everyone doing the yes chant. Yeah, they I... they they spaced it out quite well as well. They had Brock beat Undertaker, twenty five minute match. It wasn't brilliant, but then they threw out the, I guess at the time the Divas Championship Invitational, where they sort of come down, everyone take a breather before yeah. we got back to Daniel Bryan. So they they booked it out quite well. And similarly, after after Daniel Bryan Triple H, they had that very quick sh- you know match with the Shield and the New Age Outlaws. So they they seem to pace it out quite well. Would you say that the streak being broken is the most shocking moment in WrestleMania? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I remember watching it and being very shocked. I'm trying to think as a kid, if Hogan coming out and beating Yokozuna at was it nine, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was pretty shocking. So it's between that and this, I'd imagine this is probably more shocking because I was convinced Taker was going over. Yeah, I was. Sh- I, I. It was for me. It's the most shocking moment in WrestleMania history. Yeah, it, just, it was followed with silence. From yeah, where I was watching, there was about seven of us, and it was silence. As and no one believed it until the. Happen. Yeah, and no one believed it. Everyone thought maybe the referee made a mistake yeah. until the Titantron changed to show the. What was it twenty one and one? Yeah, that was the moment I realized. Oh my god, it's not an evil twin referee. Or <laughs> <Yeah. some laughs> that that I I think that's the most shocking moment in history for wrestling. Yeah, 
So my, um, we've sort of cut through the more recent years a bit quicker because I figure people know more about those. But if we now talk about the greatest matches, I'd imagine what in your view is the greatest match then in Rumble, sorry, in WrestleMania history? Um, the second Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Oh, that's a hard one to beat. So that, yeah. and I'm sure you've got Stone Cold and The Rock would be up there as well. Stone, Stone Cold and The Rock, all three of them. Obviously, 17 is my favorite, but all three of them could easily, you know, be qualify for match of the year at the time. Um, Brett Austin, we've talked about, but you know, going back into the older days, WrestleMania Five, Hogan Savage for what it was. That was a year long build. Um, the build up to that again, just watching a match individually won't give you the same feeling as knowing all the background that leads into it um last year's wrestlemania at the time having watched it and having walked out of where we watched i thought that that was possibly going to be my favorite wrestlemania i thought it might have beaten 17 but on rewatch you realize that the most um the greatest thing about it was how surprising some of the results were so you walk away thinking wow i never saw that coming but when you go back and watch the actual just the match there's nothing that special about any of them i was gonna ask like do you reassess manias when you go through this so when you're going from like one to what do we now be 35 i guess this year um uh, it must be do you like go back and do you change your mind like some years i mean actually this show wasn't that good or then with the more recent shows do you find yourself reassessing those oh yeah definitely earlier on i would have said that wrestlemania 7 was one of the best of all time and on rewatch the more you do watch it you start seeing there's nothing great. It's just memories. Even WrestleMania 9 at the time, I came out of that thinking that was great. And then I saw WrestleMania 10. Shen, did you have any questions for Mike regarding this Mania marathon that you wanted to make uh, sure included? Do you ever get sick and tired of it? Or do you always, <laughs> when you start, do you just look, when you start it, do you just like, yeah, I can't wait to start this marathon again? Or is it more like a chore now? It's starting to be. It's starting to be something I wish I hadn't started it. But if I go a year and don't do it, it'll seem like a disappointment. And I do try and do the same on multiple times. I've tried to watch every Rumble or every SummerSlam or every Survivor Series before them. And I've never actually made it even once. Uh. So I think it's more the case of I don't want to stop doing it. I want to every year know that I did it. I'll probably regret it by the time we come to WrestleMania 54. Oh, God. <laughs> it's going to become harder and harder. You're going to, especially because they're now like seven hour shows. You're going to have to start. Yeah, the, up you know, they're talking about life. having, you know, doing it over two different nights in future, and it's it's going to get hard. And yeah, that's another thing I wanted to ask you because obviously the early manias were like three to four hours, whereas now they're like six to seven hours. Yeah. Do you, do you prefer watching a pay per view? all in one go or or do you prefer to watch it like split it up i think i'd prefer to watch all in one go but with the later ones it's rare that i get that amount of time just to think right i'll sit down and watch a seven hour show especially with when you add in the pre-show as well yeah um with with the older ones when i get to them doing three hours is that that's an evening so yeah and on a pure wrestling aspect um do you think the wrestling has gotten the matches have gotten better and more entertaining over the years of the WrestleMania? Because you know, wrestling style has evolved. Pure, pure wrestling. They've got yeah, better. Just pure, yeah, just pure judging by the wrestling itself. 
Definitely. I think wrestling is constantly getting better. They're doing more exciting things, new moves, new counters, new finishes. It is getting better. In because... terms of entertainment, though, it's very different. It used to be a lot more about the characters instead of what the wrestling was. So that's the biggest change, I'll say. Because as someone who tries to go and watch back old wrestling matches, it's hard for me to get into because the wrestling is so much slower. And I just find it so boring and everything like that. But yeah. I can understand why people are invested in a character like Randy Savage or Jake the Snakes. Um, or, you know, or you know the typical Hulk Hogan character. But... Yeah, just watching for me, it's hard to watch wrestling from back in the day, like at that during that period, because everything is so much slower. Yeah, but do you think in twenty years' time there'll be young Chen saying, "I tried to go back and watch WrestleMania 30, and it was so slow"? Do you uh, think that's just always yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, imagine but... someone who watches WrestleMania three at the age of thirty or forty, and they remember wrestling from when they were in their teens. Oh, if if you want to go back and watch something from the sixties, then you'll see slow. You know, yeah, some of the matches last longer than WrestleMania do now. Also, I would like to point out that uh, as we, you know, when I look back at early WrestleManias to, to WrestleManias now, you see that the women get more time to have their matches, which I'm so happy about, and just seeing the evolution of women's wrestling as well, from women just being like managers or being eye candy. To having their little battle royals now actually having proper importance on the championship belt and you know get them getting the same amount of time as the men and also having better matches sometimes than the men as well it's a great point in terms of when you look at the way that the women's role on mania has evolved over time to the fact that this is the year where we're potentially having the women headline the show for the first time yeah because one of my top five WrestleMania matches was at WrestleMania 32, which is Charlotte versus Becky versus Sasha, Sasha Banks. Uh-huh. And that's one of my top five Mania matches ever. And like, just to see how the women outdo the men, I, you know, it was just like, I'm ready for a women's main event now, kind of thing. And yeah. we're going to get that this year. Yeah, obviously the women has changed over the time. Um, after the first two WrestleManias, didn't really have a women's match on a lot of them until you got to the Attitude Era, and then, like you say, they were there for a totally different reason. I'm all for the women's revolution and them getting equal amount of time, but, as I've said repeatedly, I don't want the main event in WrestleMania unless they're main eventing because it's the best match and the best reason. If they're going to put them on main event just to say, look, we're going to have a women's match main event, I think that's the wrong reason. Oh yeah, that I also agree. But I think everyone right now is currently invested in the Becky and Ronda and Charlotte I, story. I think we were. Well, I'm still am. Yeah, Are you think, guys tuned out now. I think it was. I think it was obviously the biggest story and the most anticipated thing, and therefore Vince and Triple H couldn't wait but get involved in it. Um, I just wish they would let them hate each other and then have a match. So we're talking. We're talking this year's mania. We're going way into the future. We're gonna let's yeah. and let's see what happens. We get to. We're we'll definitely be chatting about mania a lot more over the coming weeks. But I think it's a good point talking about the fact that at least they they've got the chance to headline this year. And it's hard to see a match that deserves it more that has at least more interest. But as you said, it's got a few weeks to go, and they're wobbling a little bit at the moment on this storyline, as they are with most of their storylines. It seems going into mania. Yeah, so let's see where they get. Not to. that much planning this year, I don't think. 
This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at watchwrestling.london or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the Meetup page. Thanks for that, Mike. We're going to have you back on the show soon, I'm sure. Um, if you want to chat WrestleMania with Mike, actually, and you live in London, he'll be at the Hooked on Events live airing of WrestleMania at Belushi's in London Bridge. I believe tickets are still available if you think you have the stamina to watch that live show. There'd be around 100 fans watching it live all night long with lots of drinks, I'm sure. So if you're up for that, check out Hooked on Events on Facebook. They're easy enough to find. Um, but that wraps up the show this week. Next week, we shall be continuing to get hyped and stay hyped for WrestleMania, as well as seeing how the card is shaping up and if Fastlane is worth your attention. We'll also, scheduled for meeting, be starting our new series of interviews with Women of Wrestling, as I learn more about the independent scene for women in the UK, and make sure I get a different perspective of what female fans want from the product outside of this awesome Becky Lynch run we're seeing right now. So, before we go though, Mike, in honour of your appearance and your thoughts on WrestleMania 3, we are going to be playing out with one of my favourite bands, Cheap Pop. Um, enjoy this song from the album In Gorilla. This song is titled WrestleMania 3, and it covers the entire WrestleMania 3 card in a rather tremendous way. It's a rocker from their album, which is all about wrestling. Every song on the album is about wrestling. It's worth checking out, and you can enjoy that album in its entirely on Spotify. That's In Gorilla. So don't forget to subscribe to the show and give us five stars on iTunes or whatever you can rate your podcasts and telephone, telegram and tell a wrestler about the Holy Shoot podcast. Later, Holy Shooters.